Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. This verse 35 says, they might gain a better resurrection. These people lived by faith because achieving the world's success was not their objective. They could care less about the world. The world was not their home. They were pilgrims, whether they survived initially or died like all of us do. They waited for a better life that would begin after death. This promise of a better life encouraged them during persecution. The main theme of the book of Hebrews is better than. The people that Hebrews was written to were going through some extremely difficult times and now, were thinking about bailing on their faith. Says the writer of Hebrews is trying to show them what a big mistake that would be and what they'd be missing out on. Pastor Mark's teaching objective. today is going to talk about, about people in Jewish history. All the of these people went home. through hard times. Some recovered while on earth, others died. Or died like You'll all find out how they, they waited were for a rewarded. Better life that would begin Remember, after there's death. quite a few ways this to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, Faith in the Peaks and Valleys. do bad things happen to good people you know the statement if you don't have this in your faith you need to bad things do happen to good people people of faith by the way if you ever say if anybody ever questions about that you know the answer I always give them bad things happen to God he had to send his son to die So it's not just us. Bad things happen to God. He had to send his son to die. Now, if you start thinking about our world today, somebody will say to you, well, if God is so good, why are there wars? Why is there cancer? Why is there floods, AIDS, depression, rape, injustice? Why would God allow thousands of people to lose their pensions? Remember when we had all these corporate things that still go on today, when these executives just padded their own retirement thing, seemingly got off with it. Some of them go to prison, some got off with it. Why would God allow the kidnapping of babies and children goes on worldwide today? And behind it, pedophiles. Why do some young people die? Why do some of the wicked seem to prosper? Well, we don't have an answer to all of that. But we do have an answer We don't understand it all, but we understand that the whole reason for all of these things is sin and Satan. See, God is ultimately in control. But ever since the garden, by the way, when there was the garden, 
There were no mountaintop and valley experiences. It was all mountaintop. It was beautiful. But man chose, and because of that, that's the world we live in today. Now, don't blame God for these things. You just have to be a person of faith. Anne Graham Lott says it like this. During the times when you and I can't trace God's hand to purpose, we must trust his heart of love. When we don't understand why, we must trust him because God cares for us more than we can possibly know. Someone else has asked, why do bad things happen to good people? They state it like this. Why do good things happen to bad people? Because really, we're all bad people. Why do some good things happen to us? Well, that's because of the grace of God. God is holy. We're sinful. Nothing really good should ever happen to us. But we learn why good things happen to you. Do you know that the Bible says in you and in me, no good thing dwells? You say, well, I'm pretty good. Really? I don't think so. Without God, we're not good. We're not good at all. And so just understand this verse. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate God, slow to anger. Are you glad he's slow to anger? Man, yeah, slow to anger. And abounding in love and mercy. Are you glad he abounds in love and mercy? Yeah, because we're not good. We don't deserve anything. But he's a good God. And so as you see this, this is why. In spite of all this, we have a God who does care for us. Don't lean to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Look at verse 37. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. Moorhead says this, they might have rustled in silks and velvets and luxuriated in the palaces of the prince had they denied God, but instead, because they lived for God, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, themselves accounted no better than a goat or a sheep. They, like these, reckon fit only for the slaughter." Verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Many believers, they live by faith, and yet they suffer and die for it. Now, what if the writer to the Hebrews believed in this thing Today, and I'm not going to spend long on it, but you need to be aware of it because it still pervades our television. What if the writer of the Hebrews, let's say it was Paul, he believed in the prosperity doctrine? How would you explain these verses? You remember this Time magazine article not long ago? Does God want you to be rich? It was an article that was very interesting. Because many of our popular television programs today, that is the underlying statement. And that doctrine goes by a lot of names. These are people that love the Lord. In my estimation, I'll try to say it kindly, their doctrine is unbalanced. 
I believe God wants to bless us. I know he does. Let me ask you, are you blessed? I'm blessed in so many ways I can't imagine it. But not like these individuals teach. It's known as the word of faith. Health and wealth. Name it and claim it. Prosperity gospel. One prosperity teacher writes, If you make up your mind that you are willing to live in divine prosperity and abundance, then divine prosperity, well, it will come to pass in your life. Why? Because you've exercised your faith. All you have to do is say, God, I want to live in divine prosperity and abundance. Come to me. But if you understand, this is erroneous. Faith is not a theocentric act of the will or simply trusting in God. Rather, it's an anthropocentric, spiritual force directed at God. See, faith as a mean to get stuff is wrong. It's totally wrong. As you move through these teachings, here's the one that you'll see always, an emphasis on giving. Now, we should give. We should tithe. We should give offerings. We should be generous. We know the scripture says that. But their whole focus, as you watch in the background, is give to get. And by giving, they'll say to you, you have to plant your seed. Nothing wrong with planting a seed. But they manipulate people. If you give, your daughter will be healed. Your husband will come to the Lord. Now send in your best gift right now. $77. And a gimmick after gimmick after gimmick after gimmick. Do you know what Jesus taught? Jesus taught his disciples to give, hoping for nothing in return. The motive has to be right. Listen to Rick Warren. This idea that God wants everybody to be wealthy, well, there's a word for that. It's called baloney. It creates a false idol. You don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Rick says, I can show you millions of faithful followers of Christ who live in poverty. Why isn't everyone in the church a millionaire? Here's an interesting statement from Rick Warren. I don't think it's a sin to be rich. I think it's a sin to die rich. Do you understand what he's saying? You see, we give so we can bless people. John Piper, great Bible teacher, Luring people to Christ to get rich is both deceitful and deadly. It's deceitful because when Jesus himself called us, he said things like this. Any of you who does not renounce all that he has can't be my disciple. And it's deadly because First Timothy tells us the desire to be rich plunges people into ruin and destruction. You know, a hundred years ago, Charles Spurgeon said this, I believe that it's anti-Christian and not only for a Christian to live with the object of accumulating wealth. You will say, are we not to strive all we can do to get all the money we can? You may do so. I cannot doubt, but what in doing so you may do service to the cause of Christ. But what I said was that to live with the object of accumulating wealth is anti-Christian. Think about what Jesus said to these individuals that are always saying this. Give, and God will give back to you a hundredfold. 
And of course, you know, our government today has gone to five or so of the major prosperity people and challenged them to show and open their books. Many of them are multi, 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 multi personal millionaires, and they abuse it. They drive Bentleys. They drive whatever. Their homes are filled with it. Nothing wrong if you have a Bentley. Nothing wrong if I have a Bentley. But to have hundreds of them and to have millions of dollars in the bank on for me and manipulate people to give to me, that's wrong. It's not godly. So, Pastor Mark, you're just touting your own beliefs. No, listen to Jesus. In the gospel, Jesus warns that each of his disciples will have to deny himself and take up their cross. Jesus warned, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but in heaven. Jesus himself said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, why is this passage in Hebrews there. Why do we come across where many people are blessed, they're delivered by faith, but then we have almost to the end of chapter 11, all these people that, well, they don't have clothes, they have to put animal skins on, they're beaten, they have no place to lay their head. Well, the teaching of the name and claim it will say, The reason they have that, because they did not have enough faith. That is terrible doctrine. No, they had faith. They had faith to be persecuted and hang with God. So why does it bother me? Here's why. Well, Linda and I were in China. Great opportunity, as you know, to teach. And I talked to the pastor about this. Because almost all the people in China have really come to the Lord in the last few years. Much of the church is very young. Many of the leaders have been a Christian one and two years. There are no others. So they go right into leadership. Of course, the cults have come to China. And you know who else has come to China? Name it and claim it. If you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. All of these doctrines that have good basis, but unbalanced, way to that. Certainly we know God heals today. And so I sat in one of my teachings. I warned them, be careful when you hear these kind of teachings. They're not biblical. Because that will invade the church in China, just like it's invaded this church here. So what does Time Magazine do? Come out with a thing. Does God want you to be rich? Well, let me ask you a question tonight. Does God want you to be rich? Absolutely, Pastor Mark. That's what he wants. No, he's not interested in that. That has nothing to do with God. God can provide for you. He owns everything. It's not about being rich. It's about being useful to God. Whatever he wants, some will be richer than others. Doesn't matter. If you have a generous giving spirit... God will give you more if you keep giving and giving and giving. But if you hoard and hoard and hoard, what good does it do if you become the richest person in all the world and lose your soul? So it's not about the money. So be careful. When you read these, I think it's so good to see this balance, even though it's hard for all of us to go through. It'd be very interesting to me, because I don't follow them that closely, how many of these people with those doctrines, ever get to the last part 
of Hebrews. See, Hebrews 11 starts with, by faith. I wonder if they ever get to the last part of chapter 11, where you see all these difficult things. Some died in faith, not because of a lack of faith. So let me just say to you, be careful that God does not become a means to an end. God himself is the end. God is not a celestial ATM. You ask, he provides what you need, which is usually greed. Look at verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Let's just take a moment with verse 39. Let's read it again. Read it with me. These were all commended for their what? For their what? For their faith. Well, see, if you die and you're penniless and you don't have clothes and you have to wear sheepskins for clothes, then that's because you don't have enough faith. Is that what it says? It says exactly the opposite. They were all commended for what? Their faith. What does it mean by all? It means the ones that had everything they needed, the ones that were delivered out of the fire, the people that came to a life after they were dead. But it also means these that never saw the promise come fulfilled. Do you see that? Part two isn't lack of faith. They all had faith. That's where the doctrine goes 100% wrong. Absolutely wrong. I remember a time, by the way, I think we need to have lots of faith. You know that. Sometimes because of the aberrant doctrine, we don't want to have faith. Guys, God can't be pleased without faith. We have to be people of faith. I need to have more faith. But be careful. I remember the time in my dad's church when a young 10 or 12-year-old boy died. And this doctrine had just started, and it was sweeping the United States. Well, people... My dad's church said the reason the young boy died was because the parents didn't have enough faith. Because if they had enough faith, their boy would have never died. Now that's devastating to parents. They went to the hospital, got permission to go to the morgue, and they said, we're going to raise the dead. Well, nothing happened. Now, in the natural, if I and my dad didn't do this, I'm glad I wasn't old enough then. What would you like to say to those people? Where's your what? Where's your faith? So be careful. There's not many people that go to that extreme. But that's the kind of thing you hear. It's condemning. God doesn't condemn. Notice this verse again. These were all commended for their faith. They had enough faith to endure. That's huge. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Of course, we're talking about salvation. They didn't get to see Christ. All these people in the Old Testament, they looked forward to the cross. None of these people saw Jesus, the promised Savior, come. They never saw him. We looked back at the cross. We didn't see Jesus either. They looked by faith, and we looked by faith. But they never saw the promise. But look at verse 40. God had planned something better for us so that together with us, they would be made perfect. So they didn't fall short of faith, not at all. What did they have faith? They, these had faith in the ultimate deliverance of sin, sickness, and Satan. 
See, they looked and said, well, whether we see the salvation of the Lord, whether we see the nation of Israel and God on the throne and Jesus coming back, whether we see it by person or we see it by faith, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen. None of us have seen Jesus personally risen from the dead, but he did. We believe it by faith. Notice in verse 40, God had planned something better. Better is all through the book of Hebrews. It's everywhere. Now, this verse 35 says, they might gain a better resurrection. These people live by faith because achieving the world's success was not their objective. They could care less about the world. The world was not their home. They were pilgrims, whether they survived initially or died like all of us do. They waited for a better life that would begin after death. This promise of a better life encouraged them during persecution. So what about us? Mountaintop? Valley. It's all right. God's in the mountaintop, and he's in the valley. So what is my faith in? My faith is to know that there is a better day coming. What is that day? It's called heaven. It's called eternity. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the promise of a better life in heaven should be an encouragement. Sometimes when we go through very difficult times, we get discouraged. That's natural. We all do. Sickness, divorce, disease, finances. But as you're going through it, believe God can bring you through it. Let him take care of the circumstances. I don't know if you'll come through it like you want, but you will come through it like God wants. Here's a little homework for you. Acts chapter 7. Read about Stephen. You remember Stephen? Young Stephen? You remember Stephen? What happened to Stephen? Did Stephen have faith? Stephen had great faith. But when he preached his only sermon, what did the people begin to do? Stone him. But was there something better in store for Stephen? Remember the windows of heaven, what? Opened. Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father. Come on up. You see, there was something better for him. What was it? Heaven. Was Stephen delivered from his valley experience? Yes. But not like we'd like to be delivered. But he was delivered immediately to heaven. Absent from the body, present from the Lord. See, guys, we have too much of an earthly view. We just forget what heaven's going to be like. Listen to this. This is very important. Henrietta Mears, the gifted Christian educator. She was a mentor to Billy Graham and to Bill Bright. Asked this. If you had to live your life over again, what would you have done differently? Here's what she said. When things look the darkest, I would have trusted God quicker. That's powerful. When things look the darkest, I would have trusted God quicker. 
Today, Pastor Mark reminded you how much you don't understand how God works in this world. His purpose and wisdom are so far above yours that it's impossible to know what he's doing unless he explains it to you. You'll learn that some of the people in Hebrews 11 died without seeing God fulfill his promises while they lived, but received their reward from him after death. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Well, that closes out Pastor Mark's teaching, Faith in the Peaks and Valleys. We hope that it was an encouragement to you to push through your hard times and trust Him more than ever. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin his teaching, The Race of Faith. You'll learn about your need to learn to persevere, to tough out your life as a Christ follower. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting 